Proverbs chapter 6, the book of Proverbs in chapter 6. Wisdom from above for life below. That will certainly be applicable. That's the subtitle of the series. I know it's been a while since we were here due to uh, Thanksgiving and then me being sick and that, those things, but we addressed Proverbs 5 uh, last time that we were together, uh, studying this anyway, and we're going to look at Proverbs chapter 6, at least the first uh, 11 verses of it together this evening. Very, very practical. Um, the first really four chapters of, of Proverbs has just been I want to say it like this, and I hope you'll understand it. Solomon trying to sell wisdom to his son. <laughs> trying, to, trying to get his son to see how valuable wisdom is. Son, please, I can help you if you'll listen to me. But then it turns in chapter 5 from not just broad ideas about wisdom, but the practical application of wisdom. And if you will remember, we said last time that one of the great things about preaching sequentially through books is that it forces us to address subjects maybe we wouldn't address otherwise. Chapter 5 was all about sex and sexuality. That's what chapter 5 was about. And then I said one of the worst things about preaching sequentially through books is it forces us to address some things maybe we wouldn't. But it is interesting and how practical is this? Solomon goes in chapter 5 from teaching about, about sex and sexuality to in chapter 6 teaching about money. Sex and money. Two kind of important things in this world and can be real potential issues. Now this is obviously not all that, chapter 5 is not all that Solomon will have to say about sexuality. And the first part of chapter 6 is not all he'll have to say about finances, but those are very practically a couple major issues of life here on planet Earth that people abuse and misuse to their own detriment. And so this is immensely practical here, what Solomon has to say. Proverbs 6, verse 1, My son, if you become surety for your friend... If you have shaken hands and pledged for a stranger, you're snared, not, not that you will be, you are, you are snared by the words of your mouth, you are taken by the words of your mouth. So do this, my son, and deliver yourself. For you have come into the hand of your friend. Go and humble yourself. Plead with your friend. Try to get out from under that. Um, that requirement that you've put upon yourself, that commitment you made. Verse 4, give no sleep to your eyes, nor slumber to your eyelids. Deliver yourself like a, I think King James says, row. Uh, the new King James says a gazelle, same thing. Deliver yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter, and like a bird from the hand of the fowler. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Now he's gone from talking... My son, my son, to you sluggard. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise, which having no captain or overseer or ruler provides her supplies in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. How long will you sleep? How long will you slumber? 
O sluggard, when will you rise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep, so shall your poverty come on you like a, like a prowler, someone breaking in in the middle of the night, and your need like an armed man. I want to speak this evening on two warnings for the wise. Two warnings for the wise. Here we learn about financial folly, and I'm just going to use sloth. I think that's a good overall overarching idea. Financial folly in the first five verses, and then sloth in verses 6 through 11. God cares about us so much, friends, that he here in his word shares counsel that will improve the quality of our lives and the lives of those around us if we will hear and heed his wisdom. Are you interested in having more stress-free days? Stronger friendships, financial security, peace in your heart and mind. If those things interest you, then listen to these warnings for the wise. Listen to Solomon's counsel, inspired by God, wisdom from above for life below. Having dealt with the very difficult subject of sexuality, now Solomon is giving his son, his prince son, don't forget that, he's addressing the prince, his son, doesn't exclude his other children, but certainly directed to, not just about his sexuality and his um, purity before God, but now very practically about finances, and work ethic. Important things for someone who's going to be the leader or ruler of a nation. Being smart about money and having a good, diligent work ethic. I have two thoughts from these two divisions in the text this evening. My first point is good intentions can lead to bad decisions. Good intentions can lead to bad decisions. Here in the first five verses, Solomon warns against making bad financial decisions or signing or co-signing, putting yourself out there when it may turn right around and bite you when it's over, come back and bite you in the end. Wisdom guards against financial folly. And then my second thought is that laziness lends itself to poverty. Here Solomon warns against sloth. He encourages diligence. And he does so by pointing our minds to the ant, to an ant, looking and studying on ants. Again, wise living guards against laziness. So what is Solomon talking about here in these first few verses? As we talk about financial folly, 
the idea of good intentions can lead to bad decisions. Notice what he warns, my son, if you become surety. That's an old word. And to the just very modern equivalent is if you co-sign for somebody's loan. It's just that simple. You want to talk about how practical this is just as practical as it can be. If you co-sign for somebody's loan, the word surety, Webster defines it as one who has become legally liable for the debt, default, or failure of another. Solomon's saying, son, don't do that. Don't let yourself become legally liable for someone else's debt. Don't guarantee to pay if the borrower doesn't. Now, probably, and I'm not going to say there aren't exceptions to that. I'll get to that in just a moment. But probably many of us, if not all of us, have done this very thing. And I will say that I think the Bible allows this as the exception but not the rule. And I'll try to develop that more in just a moment. But many of us have learned the hard way not to do this and the folly that can come. When I talk about stress, financial burden, not having peace in your heart or mind, and or, think on this, co-signing a loan for someone who's your friend and them, them then defaulting on that loan, what will that do to your friendship? And so Solomon, Solomon I, I can help you, son, if you'll listen to me. Our intentions in helping someone, if someone comes to us and says, I need you to co-sign this for me, they won't let me borrow this money without a co-signer. Again, I, I'll, make a, I'll make an exception clause here in, in just a moment, but generally we may want to help. It may be our desire to help. We, we, we may love the person. We've known them for years. We may, we may want to do this. But if we are potentially putting ourselves in financial jeopardy by doing this, Solomon says, don't do it. Now, I don't want to make too much of this, but think on this. Solomon is talking to his son who will be king. And he's saying, son, you, you can't pay for everybody else's debt just because you're king and things are going well. You can't co-sign for the loans of other nations just because Israel is prosperous. Many of us don't like saying no. If, if, uh, if I could cautiously pick on Pat Kiger, who's not here to defend herself, she doesn't like saying no to people. And it doesn't matter if people ask, and they'll take advantage of her because of that. And some people know that about us. They know we... We're, we don't like that confrontation of saying no, and so they'll take advantage of our kindness and they'll come to us. But we have to think long-term. If we agree to this and it puts, uh, puts us in a financial burden, and listen, this happens where parents and grandparents who are not in a position to do this, 
sign for their kids or grandkids and then end up spending their retirement to pay for a car they're not driving or an apartment they're not living in or a house they don't own. And Solomon is saying, don't let your good intentions lead to a bad decision. The warning, in fact, in verse number one is for friend or stranger. Verse one could be understood. Could be understood if you strike your hand, if you reach out to shake hands. The modern equivalent of shaking hands or making a deal. If you strike hands with a stranger for your friend, or if you strike hands with a stranger for the for their debt. Either way, say if you're, and the idea could be that you're trying to make an investment. Greedy for gain, it's a bad investment, but I'm gonna I'm gonna gamble a little bit and see if I can make you know this guy's promising big returns. I don't know him, but he's made me this commitment. So Solomon is saying, no, whether friend or stranger, don't do this. And in fact. Proverbs 11, verse 15. I've got a few references I'm going to run tonight. Proverbs 11, verse 15 says, He who is surety, guarantor for a stranger will suffer. But one who hates being surety is secure. Proverbs 11, 15. You know how serious this is? I, I put in my notes, co-signing for family member or friend is a great way to end that friendship or relationship. It really is. If you have signed on the dotted line, if you stuck your neck out there, I think the, the difference is, is if you're in a financial position where you can do this, and you're willing to absorb that loss, uh, I think there's a little bit of wisdom into don't let anybody borrow money you're not willing to give them. and Don't, be, don't sign that unless you're willing to give that. If you're in a position to where you're, you're financially viable to co-sign this and you're willing to forego that loss if it comes to it without it ruining your relationship or friendship, then that's one thing. But if it's going to put you in a twist, your family in a twist, if it's going to end, if you end up having to pay for somebody else because they're too lazy, I think there's a reason why the second half of this comes in about sloth and laziness. They're too sorry to get up and pay their own bills and you end up having to pay it for them. If that's going to be a, a damage, it's going to ruin your, your friendship, don't do it. You're better off making them mad by saying no than you are saying yes and then Eventually, your bitterness from paying their debt because of their... And it's one thing if they can't work. It's, a, it's altogether if they won't work. And you end up having to pay that for them. It's a good way to end that friendship. In fact, verse number two, if you'll notice, Solomon doesn't say you are possibly in trouble. He said you already are. If, if you do this... You're snared by the words of your mouth. You're taken, taken captive by the words of your mouth. 
We'll read another reference, Proverbs 17 and verse number 18. It says, A man devoid of understanding shakes hands in a pledge and becomes surety for his friend. Who does that? A man void of understanding. Solomon says, Your mouth, your words have entrapped you. You shook hands. You signed on the dotted line. Think on this. The person that is asking you to do this for them was obviously a risk or the creditor would not be insisting for a cosign, for surety. So don't do it. Just don't do it. Proverbs 22. I, I was really kind of surprised how much Solomon had to say about this. Proverbs 22, verse 26. Do not be one of those who shakes hands in a pledge, one of those who is surety for debts. Now I'll concede, maybe there are some exceptions. Again, Proverbs are to be taken in their context. These are not guarantees. It's not law. There may be some exceptions. As I mentioned, if you're in a place where you can, you're willing to forego that money without it ending or ruining the relationship, but that's one thing. Some emergency could come up. That, you know, but those things, doing this, should be the exception and not the rule. And Solomon is so serious about it in verses 3 through 5. He is saying, son, you do whatever you got to do to get out from under this obligation. Get yourself free. Verse 3, do this, my son, and deliver yourself. You've come into the hand of your friend. You're responsible now for your friend. Plead with him. Give no sleep to your eyes nor slumber to your eyelids. Call them. Pester them. Text them. <laughs> Reach out to this person and say, look, I love you. I wish you well, but I shouldn't have done this, and, and I need out from under this obligation. I can't be your cosigner. I can't be your guarantor. Now, obviously, things are just a little bit different now because, at least in, the, in our economy, once you sign the line, Jack, you're, you're responsible for it. Uh, I sometimes don't know how much to bring up, but I can tell you in a former life, if that makes sense to you, in a former life, I had to pay for a car that I did while I wasn't driving. I had to learn hard way. And that's long before Pat and I ever met or any of that other stuff. But there was a time when I had to, I had to learn the hard way about this. So, should have and I and I tried to get out from under they said no you agreed to this so we ended up having to pay but the the language that he uses in verse 3 about humbling yourself listen it doesn't translate well but the language that Solomon is employing there actually means to allow them to trample on you Humble yourself so much. Let them stomp you into the ground. Let them badmouth you. Let them say whatever they want to say about you. 
but get yourself free from this obligation. Weary yourself and weary them. Don't just let it go. Keep on until you are free from it. Look at this colorful metaphor. I'm sorry, this colorful language, really. Metaphor, simile, I can't remember which is which, but in verse 5. Deliver yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter. I'm sure most of us here have seen those Discovery Channel shows where there is a gazelle or some animal in Africa that's being chased by a cheetah or a lion or a leopard that's being hunted. Solomon uses this as a word picture. We don't think this way, but Solomon paints the picture this way that we are trapped like that animal and we need to do everything we can to escape. Flee. Get out from under this obligation or like a bird from the hand of the fowler. Though you may have had good intentions, your good intentions can lead to bad decisions. I alluded to this a moment ago, but do you realize, friends, there is something far worse than you having to pay back money that someone else borrowed? There's something far worse than your credit score being ruined because of someone else's negligence. And that is losing the fondness or nearness of a good friend over money. Your friendship should be more valuable to you than your finances. Good friends are worth more than this transaction is. Or in other words, it's better to make your friend mad at the beginning by saying, no, I'm not going to co-sign on this than that debt, you having to pay what they wouldn't pay, didn't pay, than that debt ruining your friendship. Good friends are worth far more than finances. So Solomon says, son, just because you may be a prince doesn't mean that you're everyone's financial backer, (laughs) their guarantor. Don't make foolish financial decisions as an individual or as a prince or as a king. Do not assume someone else's debt or potential debt if they default. No one likes paying someone else's debt. Do you love it when you look at your paycheck and one-third, fully one-third of it is gone for taxes? To pay for people who are like the second half of this, slothful? That's not all of it. I don't mean that, but that's some of it. None of us like paying debts that others have charged. But let me stop for just a minute and ask you to think. What a display of kindness and grace that Jesus assumed all of our debt. 
Jesus did not co-sign alone for us, but He took our sin debt and paid it in full. It wasn't His sin, and it wasn't His debt. It was ours. And Christ wasn't our co-signer. He paid in full. To tell us die. <laughs> it is finished. Paid in full. You could, you could think about it like this. At the cross of Calvary, the, the charges against us, our debt, all listed out, stamped to the cross, paid in full. Solomon says, assuming someone's financial debt is unwise. And he's right. But a greater than Solomon says, I will willingly come and pay their sin debt so that we who were enemies can become friends. Love did that for us, friends. Wisdom did that for us. Grace did that for us. Jesus did that for us. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. My friend paid all the debt. My Savior, my Lord, my friend paid all the debt that I owe to God. He didn't have to, but he volunteered. And Christ doing this was the greatest display of love, grace, and wisdom that this world has ever seen. But friends, let us, as long as we still live here, heed Solomon's advice and be mindful of making foolish financial decisions and letting our good intentions lead us to bad decisions. But then secondly, and I think this actually connected together, secondly, notice that laziness can lead to poverty. Verses 6 through 11. And in fact, these verses could be split up in two. In verses 6 through 8, we should learn from a good example. In verses 9 through 11, there's a warning don't be that person. Verse 6 through 8, what can we learn? Go to the ant, you sluggard. Do you see that transition there in, in Solomon? My son, my son. Now he's saying you sluggard. Maybe he was talking to one of his other boys. <laughs> I don't know. But he is saying, you lazy sloth. And he's actually instructing. I don't mean to sound silly, but he's, he is saying, you want to learn something? You want to be wise? Lazy person, get out of the bed and go watch the ants work. And you'll learn something about life. And you'll learn how to be successful. And you'll learn what will benefit you and others. the lazy person would be benefited by going to ant school. I know that's cheesy, but I'm cheesy. 
by going to ant school, by learning a lesson from those tiny little insects. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider their ways and be wise. They don't have someone barking orders at them. You don't have little little tiny supervisor ants telling all the other ants what to do. They just go about their work. You can see diligence, determination, self-motivation, dedication, and preparation. All of these things from the ant. Solomon says they plan ahead. They gather up food. In the summertime, so that when it's when it's cold, they have what they need. I I trust the Kiger house is not the only house that struggles with ants in the house. Them little boogers are relentless. I, I take great delight in running over those ant hills with my zero turn lawnmower. But do you know what them jokers will do? They'll just go build another anthill. And Solomon's saying, you want to work, you want to learn about how to be successful. Don't just think about your finances, think about your work ethic. Go to the ant and observe them. I have done that sometimes. You guys are gonna, gonna probably laugh at me, maybe not now, but later. I've watched these ants here on the sidewalk. They'll, they'll cruise up and down this sidewalk. They'll go from one end of this sidewalk to some of these trees up here and up the trees, carrying stuff. It weighs more than they do. It really is kind of amazing. That's a long walk for an ant down that sidewalk and up a tree. Solomon is talking about the sluggard who won't even get out of bed. There's a, there's a reference in... In Proverbs, it says that, that their bed, that they're like, like there's a hinge on the bed that they just roll back and forth, back and forth, and never get out of it. One proverb that a sloth, a sluggard says, I can't get out and do anything. There's a lion in the streets. Some people are real good at coming up with excuses to keep them from work. You want me to preach right there? Just a minute. Have you worked with some of them? Known some of them. They, they're great at making excuses. Solomon says the sluggard could learn a lesson by going to the ant. They gather their food in the harvest. But now, verse 9, don't be this guy. <laughs> How long will you sleep? How long are you going to lay in the bed? When are you going to get up and do something productive? The answer, well, a little more sleep, just a little longer. I wouldn't say I'll hit the snooze button, but Kiger, old Lewis Kiger was bad about that snooze button, buddy. I, there was a time. I'm not so much anymore, but there was a time. Hitting that snooze, a little sleep, a little slumber, just I, I'll get to it later. I, I don't like this part. I don't like this part. Solomon is warning against procrastination. I'll talk about that tomorrow. Yeah, I was hoping somebody would get that. We'll deal with that tomorrow. We'll deal with that later. But there's the warning. 
get up and do what you need to do today so that on the tomorrows when you need it, you'll have it. And I think that's, that's true financially. I think that's true materially. But isn't that also true spiritually? Doesn't every individual need to spiritually plan ahead and prepare? Judgment day is coming. Harvest will come. Resurrection day will come. And every, every person should prepare, be diligent and prepare for that coming day. And the symbology of it, winter's coming. That, that cold day of death is coming. You need, you need to prepare for it now. Spiritually prepare. I turned too quick. Proverbs 10. If you want to run these, I'm going to run a few of these. Proverbs 10 and verse 4. He who has a slack hand becomes poor, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. Now, I, I could probably, as my dad would say, drop an anchor right here and stay a while. And we would all want to shout a hearty amen. But listen, Proverbs 10, verse 4. He who has a slack hand becomes poor, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. Unfortunately, we live in a culture and a society and a time period that rewards sloth. So much so that people can make a good living doing nothing off the backs of those who are working. And it's frustrating because those who do work and foot the bill, at some point are going to get sick of it and trouble will follow. How much better would our community and our country be if everyone would listen to what Solomon has to say and learn from the ant what diligent work ethic is all about? I realize some people can't work. That's a whole different conversation. Some people can't. Others have worked all their lives and now they're retired. That's a different conversation. But forgive me, but for people who are just sorry, I, I, this old, I, I got a flesh too. I get impatient with that. And Solomon says those people should, and listen, those who can't help themselves, that's different. I'm all for helping people that can't help themselves. But the normal, the normal outcome of sloth, laziness, should be for them to reap the consequences of their indolence, of their laziness. In other words, we shouldn't reward people for being lazy. All it does is destroy a community, weaken the nation. Don't be that guy. Don't be that guy. Chapter 13, verse 4. I, so, uh, Solomon has a lot to say about this. I'm not going to run all of them. Proverbs 13, 4. The soul of a lazy man desires and has nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made rich. Be diligent. Prepare. Work. Proverbs 20, verse 4. 26, 13 through 16. All of these warnings against sloth. It seems like 
There's always some reason, isn't there? Why the lazy, why the slothful person can't do what they should. Always an excuse. Always some lame reason why they can't meet their commitments. And I think, I think that's really why this is on the back of that teaching about financial wisdom and, and financial folly. If you sign for someone like this, that slothful buddy, you're in for it. You're in for it. Doesn't matter if it's your friend or a stranger. Sloth or laziness is poison to any people. For those who refuse to do what they should, not can't, but those who refuse to work and earn and provide, need to hear the wisdom <laughs> the wisdom of Solomon and go to the ant, be wise, and learn. I don't have to tell you all, you know this, right? Handouts and free money that the government gives isn't free. Somebody had to pay for it. And I... It, it amazes me that so many young people just think it's the government's responsibility to keep them up or we all owe everybody something. But this world and this country would be better off if folk would truly go to the ant, go to ant school, listen to what Solomon is saying. Remember Solomon, he, he watched whether it was how a tree grows or how a, a bird flies or how ants work or how a spider weaves its, uh, weaves its web. Solomon observed, he meditated, and he taught and shared what he learned. And he learned, I think Solomon learned a valuable lesson from the ants that our country would be better off to learn. Prepare for the future. And by that, not only prepare for this world, but we should each prepare for the world that is to come. There is two sound counsels, very practical lessons. Wisdom, very, very practical life lessons. Wisdom, two sound directives from Solomon about financial folly and a warning against sloth. Hope you have a good evening. Thank you for your attention. And we're going, Lord willing, keep pressing our way through Proverbs. Very practical stuff. And the next little bit is, is really rich and, and challenging as well.